Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Jordan Reed, and I have the full group back together. Dre Harris is back with us. Brentley Wiseman, of course, joins us once again. How's everything going, man? It's going great on my end. Glad to be back. Uh, week one of college football, man. Let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, same here, guys. I'm happy to be back. Uh, it was an exciting weekend of college football, and obviously just wrapping up watching uh, Ole Miss take care of Louisville uh, and a beatdown that I didn't really see coming, but an eventful week, and now we got week one coming up for NFL, so just just keep it going. Yeah, football season is officially here. Like, we got games from, what, Thursday all the way through Monday, taping yep. this Monday night, so NFL is officially here, and I'm really excited. We're going to have a full slate of games, what, from Thursday all the way through Monday once again. So I'm really, really excited about that. But just to give you guys a quick rundown of the show, we're going to give out what is a new segment this week or what we'll do throughout the season is game balls. And we'll just talk about some of the best standout performances that we saw. doesn't necessarily have to be draft-eligible guys. It could be players that necessarily just caught our eye that we want to point out for having a big week. And then we'll go through the big games of the week, Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Georgia, and then UCLA and LSU. And I'm sure Brentley will want to touch on a little bit of Oregon and Fresno State. That was a nail-biter <laughs> for sure. For yeah. He's already shaking his head. So there will be some other games that we touch on um, for a little bit, maybe not necessarily as the big three that we mentioned, Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Georgia, and then UCLA, LSU. But I did want to remind you guys about Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, during the season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. If you lose your wager, will be refunded. That's $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. That's NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So, Let's go ahead and get into these game balls. And I have plenty that I want to give out, but I want to hear who you guys have first. So, Brentley, I'm going to come to you. Who are you giving some of your game balls out to this week? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was a lot of stand-up performances um, throughout the weekend, uh, going back to even Friday with Virginia Tech's defense, looking the way they did. But um, I, think the fir- I think the first name that I'm going to start out with is actually the first name on our TDN 100 board, and that's uh, Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. And, you know, just his, his performance from last night playing against FSU and arguably one of the best games of the weekend. It, it, was, it was phenomenal, um, phenomenal game. And, and he, you know, really showed us why, you know, all of us collectively had him as our number one player heading into the season. 
you know, you saw the range with his two interceptions, the instincts, the ball skills. And really, I thought he showed up really well in, in the running game as well. You see him with the six tackles active in the box. And he just put on display the traits and the the, the, the talent that he has that made him think that, we, that he is worthy of being that top player in our TDO and 100. So I thought his season was, you know, started out with a bang. And, you know, I would not be shocked if he can continue to have this kind of production. He might be one of those rare defensive players that gets an invite to New York because um, he had that kind of performance yesterday. Um, so that he'd be, my, he'd be my number one guy. That play he made coming yeah. off the opposite hash to get the interception on the other sideline made me jump up out of my seat. And I've been embarrassed over the past few years to say I'm actually a Florida State fan. <laughs> like Peter Ward was the one that made me a Florida State fan. That may be a throwback name for some of you guys yes. out there, but Peter Warwick was the person that made me a Florida State fan. I've been a Florida State fan to this day, and I was happy to see him play better, but it was really hard to keep my eyes off Kyle Hamilton. Like, he was just everywhere, man. And we talk about positional value with a lot of players. I think you just have to kind of throw it out with him just because he's what I like to call a cyborg at the position, man. There's nothing he can't do at that spot. But Kyle Hamilton obviously is very deserving of game ball of the game ball from Brentley. He definitely would have got one for me. He was, he was a name that I actually had written down as well, but Dre, I'm going to come to you now. Who are you giving your game ball or game balls to this week? Uh, two guys, man. The first guy is Zach Charbonnet transfer from university of Michigan, uh, where he was all big 10 as a freshman transfer to UCLA, where he was one of the uh, most sought after transfers uh, runs for a second straight 100 uh, yard game. Had 117 yards on 11 carries against LSU. Uh, they couldn't stop a nosebleed on defense. He averaged seven yards per carry. Uh, he ran with vision, uh, great footwork. He runs with a strong base. He broke tackles. Uh, I think he has firmly thrust himself into the uh, into the conversation for uh, top three uh, back uh, in this year's draft class. And, and, and uh, his name certainly needs – to be mentioned a ton more. And my second guy is a guy that's not really talked about a lot. His name is Chad Muma from the University of Wyoming, 6'3", 240 pound uh, linebacker. He had 11 tackles, uh, seven, um, nine solo stops. Uh, he blocked a field goal. Uh, they won and two tackles for loss. He was everywhere. Uh, he played lights out. Uh, it was very explosive and uh, they got the win so i think those two uh were uh were my two game uh, game ball players bringing a different name to the table that's why i always yeah. love drake <laughs> always unpredictable bringing a different name i love it so i'm definitely gonna have to look into that wyoming tie that tight end but you know charbonnet i mean he was he stood out against hawaii in week one too even though he played in the first half i believe he had over 100 yards and like with three touchdowns as well so yeah he's he's definitely helped himself a bunch and it's just weird, like how running backs don't play at Michigan, but then they go somewhere else and they're able to succeed. So I always thought that was weird. Not even just Michigan. Whenever they play at another place, so they don't see a lot of reps at one place, and then they just go somewhere else and explode. Yeah, I tell you what, he 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 has some some burst to him that he didn't have show last year. Like you see some really good just quickness and, and you know being able to get to the second level. He's God, man, Dre. I think Dre hit it right on the head. Like he's definitely work into the top three, you know, backs discussion in, in the country. I mean, he, he's, he's a phenomenal. Even the other guy though, the Britain, Britain Brown guy, they have, they have a heck of a duo at UCLA right yeah. now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. we'll get into that a little bit more when we go to the game preview. I yeah. want you guys to save your thoughts for that. But my game ball goes to the Georgia defense. Yeah. Man, that defense was so much fun to watch. And I'm not even a person that really likes defensive games. I'm an offensive guy. So <laughs> I'll take a 51 to 52 game over a, a 10 to 6 game any day. But just watching that Georgia defense fly around the ball and just smother Clemson, it was so much fun to watch. And two players, well, three players that really stood out to me was Lewis Sign, the safety from Georgia. I thought he was everywhere. He was the leading tackler for them with nine. He showed up in pass coverage. He was very sticky there in man and zone. And then you talk about somebody that's coming downhill trying to take your head off and run support. He did that plenty of times as well. The other was N'Kobe Dean, Mm -hmm. who I thought played the best of any defender on that Georgia defense. But how about Jordan Davis, what he showed as a pass rushing threat? That's the type of game that he needed on his resume just because what was the big question mark about him? Could he provide some consistency in the passing game? Could he provide some value on third down and – he took that Clemson center to the woodshed the entire game, man. Like, I felt bad for him for how he was doing them. But him to do that in his hometown, he's a Charlotte guy. They played in the Panther Stadium. So there was a little extra motivation behind that. But if he's able to put that on tape consistently as a pass rushing threat, now you're talking about somebody that enters possibly late first, early second round discussion as opposed to being like a third round guy. So Jordan Davis, Lewis Sign, and then the Kobe Dean, those were the guys along with the Georgia defense that would get my game balls for the week. But let's go ahead and get into these these recaps. And I'll start with Alabama-Miami. I mean, it was typical Alabama, 44-13, dominating victory. And, I mean, Manny Diaz looked so confused on the sideline. He just didn't know what to do. And they were down 27 to nothing. It's just like it's like a, like a python, man. He's just – Alabama was just smothering them on both sides of the ball. Bryce Young looked phenomenal. We had four touchdowns – or four total touchdowns. I thought Evan L looked good uh, as, as a run blocker. You saw him just bulldozing guys out of the way. The Alabama front seven is very talented. We knew that coming in. But, uh, Dre, I'm going to come to you just – what were your overall thoughts on Alabama and then just the game in general? Man, a few things, man. I think the biggest takeaway, the first thing that jumped out at me is how does Alabama continue to retool with so much depth and explosive players, man? I mean, it's it's almost unfair. I mean, they, they just uh, – their depth is crazy. I mean, but the edge rushers from Bama, man, uh, you talk about uh, Will Anderson and uh, Chris Allen. They gave Zion Nelson, man, and 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 the other tackle everything that, uh, they wanted. Um, unfortunately, uh, Chris Allen is out for the year, uh, fracture foot. Um, but uh, but they play well out on the edge, toe toe, along with Christian Harris. Uh, they just give. Alabama a bunch of freaks on the second level man and 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 uh I thought that they played well uh John Mechie uh he also looked good and the other takeaway that I have is that Alabama has it seemed like they always have two or three backs man that can play like that they can consistently run the f- football man I mean so their depth and and their quality of skill players man it's just it's it's unparalleled with any other team in the country and I'm glad you brought up the backfield thing just because I thought it was – I kind of laughed when this graphic popped up just because it's something we rarely see with the Alabama running back. So Brian Robinson has played in 53 games. Saturday was his first ever start at <laughs> Alabama. I thought that was pretty interesting. So he's a super, super senior that's been there forever. But we know with those Alabama running backs, they bring them in, bring them out every year. So kudos to him to sticking it out 
And then, you know, 53 games, that's a, that's a ton of games. And him just getting his first start, I thought he played really well as well. So um, kudos to him for that. But, yeah, I think you're spot on as far as the depth that Alabama has. Jaleel Billingsley only played like four or five snaps in the game. Then Cameron Latu comes out of nowhere and has a career game, a player that was a defensive end a couple of years ago, switches over the sides of the ball and then just sticks out the way that he does. They're pretty young in the secondary for the most part. But whenever you have that front seven attacking people like that, you don't have to be super good in the secondary. We know Alabama still has guys in the secondary, but replacing Patrick Sertain, we know that's a big going to be a big question mark for them. Jalen Armour Davis looked good from what I saw, uh, but Will Anderson, just he's a freak man he's different like he might even be the best defensive player in the country based on what he showed on Saturday like what he did to Zion Nelson and the other Miami tackle it was just unfair but Brittany I'm gonna come to you what were were some of your thoughts from the game yeah just another year of Alabama um you know they don't rebuild they just reload and and you know, for Bryce Young to come out in his first start, I think he had what four touchdowns in the first half. I mean, it was it's ridiculous, like how how comfortable he looked. You know, in the scheme and in in in, in, in a, a hostile environment like that, it's just like I mean, this this kid is, is going to be unreal in in two years. You know, and so you know they have to have arguably this could be you know the, the most talented quarterback that Saban's ever had, and then when you have dogs like Will Anderson, like Henry Totolo, like uh, Christian Harris, it's like, this isn't, this isn't even fair. You know, this is truly not even fair. And uh, you have John Mechie and the other receiver who blew up. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his number one. Um, I mean, Jameson. Yeah, Jameson. So it's like, how, how do yeah. you, you know, if you're, if you're Georgia, you know, you, you, you have a good defense, but do you have the offense to, to score with the likes of Alabama, you know? And I just don't know if they do. Um, and then on the other side, again, I thought it was a huge mismatch with, with Saban and Diaz. I mean, Manny Diaz, like you said, looked lost. Because um, that, that, that's a veteran-related team. You know, you have Derek King. You have Zion Nelson. You got Bubba Bolden. You have guys who played a lot of football football for you, you know, over the past couple of years. And and made, and made no difference. I mean, Alabama's trotting out young, inexperienced players. But the talent gap was so wide that it didn't matter. And so, I mean, at this point in time, I'm not sure – if there's a close second in terms of the hierarchy and the power rankings of college football, I think it's Alabama a tier above everybody else. And, and then everyone else can just kind of fall in line. Yeah. You got to beat points to score Alabama. Yeah. I think that's where, and we'll, this is way down so, the road, way, but yeah. I think that's the problem that Georgia is going to run into. I don't know if JT Daniels is going to be able to match what Bryce Young is going to be able to put up. As far as if it ends up being a shootout, I just don't know if they're going to be able to put up enough points. But, you know, we're going way off subject with that. But let's go ahead and get to our next game, which is Clemson and Georgia, which was the highlight matchup of the weekend. Number three uh, versus number five, top five matchup. And it was a defensive game. Georgia ended up getting the victory 10 to three. And once again, like we talked about, when we were talking about their game balls. The defense was just suffocating the entire night. DJ Uwe Ungalele just did not look comfortable at all. And I thought they threw the ball a little bit too much for my liking with him, just because he's one of those guys that you have to run to get more incorporated into the offense. And I thought they got the offense mixed up as far as I think they need to go back to what they did with Taj Boyd and Deshaun Watson as far as using them in the run game as well as the pass game, as opposed to 
what they did with Trevor Lawrence, which is just sitting back and throwing the ball 35-plus times a game. I just don't think that DJ Uwe Ungalele is that type of quarterback, and that's no shot against his ability, but you got a quarterback that's six foot six, 250 pounds. Like, use that to your advantage and use him as an added number in the run game. And I know Clemson's offensive line was struggling, but I just think you could have got a little bit more from him and you could have got a little bit more points on the board and giving yourself more of a chance if he used him as a running threat. So I think that's kind of where they went wrong with the game plan. But it's going to be an adjustment for Clemson this year just because they have those big, tall, wide receivers on the outside like Justin Ross. Uh, Frank Ladson and then Joseph Nada as well, but none of them could separate against Georgia. And with Trevor Lawrence, they just threw up those 50-50 balls and they would go up and attack the ball out of the air. I don't know if Uwe Ungalele is that type of quarterback that's going to consistently give his guys that type of chance like a Trevor Lawrence did. So it's going to be, be a, a bit of an adjustment period uh, for for that offense, but I'm interested to see how they come back You know, some in some of the other games this year especially considering that they're a little bit down. I wouldn't say down offensively, but they're a little bit ex- inexperienced. So, Dre, I'm going to come to you with this one first. You you recruited – or excuse me, you scouted Georgia. You're the area scout for Georgia. So maybe just talk about some of the players that stood out to you in this game and then what were some of your overall thoughts overall from the game? Uh, yeah, I think the first thing uh, that comes to mind is how uh, DJ Uyunglele uh, was under – the rest the entire game and Clemson has a lot of work to do on offense, man, starting, starting with the offensive line. Uh, um, Clemson couldn't get anything going offensively. I, I thought their game plan and scheme left much to be desired. I thought that, uh, I thought that, uh, that Alabama, they had their way with them up front. They came play physical with them. They bullied them. Um, I thought that Jordan, uh, Jordan, Davis may plays uh, uh, up front as well. Um, uh, so did Dean. Um, and I thought that those guys uh, really had their way with them on defense, but it really started with started up front with Georgia's defensive line and their front seven just bullied Clemson's offensive line and kept, uh, kept, uh, kept the quarterback uncomfortable for much of the game. And I thought that that was the telltale sign um, of the game. So here's my theory about Clemson. And I know Dabo's not going to change his beliefs just because that's who he is as a head coach. So have y'all ever noticed that Clemson never recruits JUCOs or transfers? Have y'all ever noticed that? No, no. but it wouldn't but it wouldn't make sense though, because there are some people who feel like they can that you can't really build a program with two of your players. Mm-hmm. They like to grow them, you know, and raise them. I mean, but yeah. Everything is homegrown with Clemson. And I think they're kind of putting themselves behind the eight ball with the Alabamas, the Georgias of the world, just because they're getting these transfers. They're getting these Juco kids. They're just more mature, especially up front. And I think that's where they're losing the battle with some of these top ranked teams, just because I I mean, I'm fine with everything being homegrown. That's going to win the ACC. Like Clemson's going to run through the ACC just because I think North Carolina is a little bit overrated, as we saw against Virginia Tech. So they're probably going to run through the ACC. But Clemson is playing to win a national title, and they're playing for the college football playoff. When you're talking about matching up against Alabama and Georgia and some of these upper echelon teams, the trench battle, I think that's where they're falling behind with just strictly homegrown talent. So 
that was just my little nugget that I, I was going back and forth with myself on Saturday. And that's why I think Clemson's kind of falling behind a little bit just because Dabo believes in everything being homegrown, which has worked pre-transfer portal. But now with the transfer portal out there, we've seen Alabama being able to reap the benefits of it and then also Georgia as well. I mean, some of their top transfers didn't even play on Saturday. Tyke Smith from West Virginia didn't even play. And then the two biggest weapons, uh, Eric Gilbert and then also Washington, the big tight end, whose first name is escaping me. Neither one of those mm-hmm. guys played. So Georgia's still missing some weapons on offense, and then they're missing a key piece in their secondary as well. So that's just my little spiel as far as recruiting and why I think Clemson's kind of falling behind. But Brentley, what do you think overall of the Clemson-Georgia game? Yeah, I mean, I think – Again, this kind of starts and ends with Clemson's offensive line and their inability to protect DJU. Um, I mean, it was a complete mismatch up front. Jordan Davis had his way. I thought he was phenomenal, just super, super impressive. I thought um, Adam Anderson, the, the edge from Georgia, looked pretty good, looked explosive. We saw him get a sack. Um, and then just the, the Georgia's front seven was just completely in control of the entire game. But I will say, that being said, I was really underwhelmed with DJ Uri Longagale. Like, to be honest, I get it. He was under duress a lot. It's not all on him. But if you're a five-star guy, talked about being, you know, the number one quarterback for next year, I I would have liked to see a little more in a big game to start the year. I, I, I'm going I'm to have my eye on, on him moving forward just because I, I didn't really see, you know, a pinpoint – you know, passer or a guy that has a lot of really good feel uh, for in the pocket. I know he's a young guy. I'm not trying to overreact, but I, I just the eye the eye test is telling me that I, I got to keep an eye on that guy a little bit more before I'm before I'm ready to really crown him. But man, I don't know. I think I think Clemson is this might be a down year for them in terms of just like you said their inexperience, and I think they're inexperienced at the wrong spots. You know, along the offensive line and and at quarterback, even at running back. You know, they never really were able to develop a guy behind Travis Etienne, and that's something they've always had as a, as a, as a strong running game to go along with their good quarterbacks. And so, um, you know, I, like you said, I still think they'll win the ACC just because by default, I mean, who else can even, you know, field a competitive team besides maybe them in Miami? Florida State, we'll see. But um, I, think the, I think the main story, though, is Georgia. You know, once if George Pickens does come back, you know, if Darnell Washington comes back, if Eric Gilbert comes back, Jermaine Burns already a guy. I'm a huge fan of him, number seven, the receiver uh, for Georgia. And then you have two running backs in, uh, I think, Kendall Milton and, and Zamir White, who had a really good game. I think Georgia has a chance to be a top three team in the country. And I know, Jordan, you said that in one of our scouting meetings, like, if there was ever going to be a year, and I, I think we can all agree it's probably not going to happen. But if there was going to be a year for them to beat Alabama, this should be the year. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but Georgia does have the their probably best roster since they made the national championship, what was it, four years ago. So, you know, big expectations down in Athens, Georgia. I think it comes down to, to what Jordan said. Uh, it's like – they will Georgia will definitely be able to compete with Alabama defensively. Kirby Smart is one of the best secondary coaches in the country, um, and is proven to be a great defensive coordinator. They have six, seven guys on 
on defense who are going to play on Sundays. Um, but it's like playing the Golden State. It's like playing Golden State, man. I mean, you're going to have to score a certain amount of points, man, in yeah. order to, to win. And and that'll be the telltale sign is if JT Daniels and an offense can uh, can put up, you know, enough points to uh, to to uh, to match up with the uh, with the speed and the weapons that Alabama has um, on offense. That avalanche is coming eventually. <laughs> Like when the Warriors used to go down 20 points, Steph and Katie and Clay would just go off. And before you know it, they'd be up five. So, yeah, I'm with you with them being like the Golden State Warriors. And, I mean, I think it falls on the shoulders of JT Daniels. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Kirby Smart, that's the type of game that he wanted to make it. Like he wanted it to be the first team to 14 wins the game. Like that's that's his type of game. But I think in order to beat Alabama, you have to switch your approach. And I just don't know if Daniels is going to be able to do that. He's kind of more of a game manager and just trying to keep the ship afloat. Don't mess the game up, which is Kirby's type of quarterback. We've seen him really appeal to that that type of quarterback in years past. So maybe they can make it a slugfest with Alabama, but We'll see. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. But let's go ahead and get to our last game that we'll recap, which is UCLA and LSU. And Brentley, you were 100% correct about this game. I was completely wrong. I thought LSU was going to dominate in the trenches in this game. And it was the complete opposite. UCLA's offensive line destroyed LSU's defensive line. I was not expecting that at all. They were generating movement from kickoff to the end of the game. And then the game just ended so badly for LSU with the missed tackle by the safety and then also Derek Stingley, and they end up closing the game out with the wide receiver breaking the tackle along the sideline. What a great game plan from Chip Kelly. I thought this was one of the better game plans that he's had overall in a very long time, but we know of Chip. He's always going to come prepared. He said it coming into the week. This is our Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and that's exactly how they played as well. So, or excuse me, UCLA gets the victory 38-27, to but – uh, Dre, what was your overall thoughts on this game? What were your biggest takeaways? So the first thing that came to mind when I watched this game was what happened to all the five-star recruits that LSU got after they won the national title? Like, what happened to all of the big guys, the, the big physical guys they're known for having in the trenches? You know, Gay and and all these guys who are on our uh, draft board. Radar. Um, I think that as a former Pac-10 player, um, I know that the biggest difference really between the Pac-10 and the SEC is the trenches, right? I mean, how big and physical guys are up front, and you would not have guessed um, that that uh, that that would have been the case um, uh, this past Saturday. And of course, uh, UCLA has uh, Sean uh, uh, Sean Ryan. Um, who's who's probably going to be a guard uh, at the next level? Um, but he, did you get eyes on him? How did he play, Dre? Did you get eyes on? him? Yeah, I thought he played solid. Um, I I didn't uh, didn't get to, uh, to to see him, you know, as closely. Um, but I did see a few plays. I thought he played well. I thought he played physical. Um, but I do think that he's not a tackle. I think he's going to struggle if he tries to play tackle in the National Football League. I think he's an ideal fit at. A guard, and this, and it's certainly somebody who can be an early day two pick um, at guard. So, I think he showed well. Good stuff. Yeah, I was shocked by like just how LSU was dominating in the trenches. And one of my scouting buddies texted me. 
he said Coach O was about to be the next Gene Chizik. Yeah. How he won it at Auburn and then just fell off after that. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but it makes a lot of sense. But Brindley, what was your overall takeaway from this game? I mean, my overall takeaway is, is like you said, Gene Chizik, right? Like Coach O can recruit, like, and that's never going to be the problem for him. But the minute you don't have like a Joe Burrow or you know, a roster that's so stacked that you had in 2019, you have to rely on your coaching on the field on, on Saturdays. He's in trouble, you know, and that that's where again it's it's been, you know, his Achilles heel. He just got, he just gets out to coach, and um, his guys didn't show up, you know. And you like you said, UCLA, this was their Super Bowl, and 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 I, I'll still take Chip on Saturday to scheme up, you know, against Dane or any other coach in the country. I have that much respect for Chip Kelly when it comes to on the field and getting his guys ready to play. I, I think he's still one of the best coaches in football, and. I think we saw, I think we also saw that UCLA is the real deal in terms of how many different looks and personnel they uh, they can do on offense. I mean, they have Chase Cota, they have Kyle Phillips, Greg Dulcich could be one of the best tight ends in the country. I mean, like he's got he he's gonna be drafted on day two. I mean, yeah, he, he was yeah. In the NFL, the way it's moving in terms of being able to flex guys into the slot, he's a former receiver. I mean, he's gonna be a dude. Like he he looks unreal. Um, and then you have the running back deal between Zach uh, Charbonnet and and Britton Brown, both transfers, both look like studs, um, and they just they just impose their will. I mean, up front, I thought UCLA was kicking their butts. I mean, they're they're making big tackles in space. It was just they looked like the SEC team, you know that that's and that's the story for me. Like they looked way more aggressive, way more faster, bigger, stronger. It was. Everything you thought LFC was going to be, I thought UCLA did. Um, now, the issue for UCLA is the quarterback. He has not looked good whatsoever. I mean, he he needed to take the next step up, and I think he has gone worse from last year, which is, I know, uh, we'll see if the running backs can keep running the football because if DTI is forced to pass, they're going to be in some trouble because he is not looking good at all. But, um, you know, at this point in time, if, if – you know, if Chip can get, keep can keep this running game going, because that's what he wants to do. Like, if it's up to Chip, he runs the ball fifty times a game and just kills you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was. Uh, I definitely think Ed Orgeron's in trouble <laughs> if he doesn't get it figured out right away. He this could be an in-season firing. Um, so we'll have to see. But I'm happy for the Bruins, happy for their Pac-12 because we needed some sort of uh, some sort of victory because. The rest of the conference look, look like crap. So hopefully they can turn it around. Yeah. And, you know, let's go ahead and touch on that. Oregon, Fresno State. I know you said this was going to be a nail biter throughout the week. Uh, I think you took um, – you might have took Fresno in your bet. Just I yeah. think you took Fresno in the points. If I'm not mistaken, you were surprised that they were giving Fresno so many points. So I didn't watch that game. I just seen the Thibodeau highlight of him having the strip sack. Um, but – you know, like what happened? And then how did Anthony Brown look? I know you were just really intrigued to see how he played. So just what was your overall thoughts on the game? Uh, I mean, KT's the real deal. I mean, you saw you saw it in like the first two plays. Um, was really unblockable before he went down with the ankle, in, ankle injury, which luckily uh, the reports come out today that he's just day-to-day. He'll probably play against Ohio State. But, um you know, for Oregon, uh, the linebackers are two young guys who I'm sure this time next year we'll all be talking about Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. They are as advertised. Like, I mean, they are absolute freaks on the second level of the defense. 
Um, Anthony Brown, ah, man, I mean, I kind of killed him on Twitter, but I, I was a little, uh, little unimpressed with the, the quarterback, uh, the 60 year quarterback, Anthony Brown didn't look great to me. Um, they're going to get murdered if he doesn't look better against Ohio state. Um, but then I thought Fresno state, they're, they're a well coached football team. The quarterback's a transfer. He's a, he's a veteran. He looked really good. And then offensively, they're, they're, they're just, um, you know, vet, a veteran football, football team who had a good chemistry on the offensive line. Defensive line kicked our butts in terms of our offensive line. That was really bad. Um, I think we were lucky to get the win. And it's, it's going to be ugly next week if we don't play a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I didn't watch that game. I just saw uh, how how – KT was dominating up until the foot injury. So it's good to hear that he's – I think Cristobal said he was day-to-day, so hopefully yeah. he can play against Ohio State this week. But, Dre, I'm going to come to you just because I did watch the Cal and Nevada game, and I know with that being your alma mater, you're watching that game pretty closely. And I was impressed with what I saw in spurts from Carson Strong. I thought he made some really good throws against that secondary, and I think you tweeted about it, uh, of how he was showing some accuracy in some certain spots as well. So – just what were your overall thoughts on the game? And I know you were disappointed that y'all didn't come out with the victory, but y'all were in it all the way to the end. So just what were your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, man. Uh, I thought that uh, first of all, it was a very uh, hard fall game. I thought it was a very well coached game on both sides. Um, but uh, Carson Strong, I thought he stood tall in the pocket. Um, he's a big kid with good size cannon of an arm show some uh show some escape ability both in and outer pocket uh i think that he missed some throws um i, th- I don't think he's the most uh accurate uh his accuracy isn't as consistent as i would like to see um i think he has some of the similar concerns that josh allen had when he came out um, you know, in terms of being big, strong arm, uh, uh, can get the ball uh, wherever he, he needs to. Um, but I thought he showed a cannon, and there were spurts where he showed great touch. He had a, 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 a extremely nice uh, a, a nine ball up the sideline. So there were moments and there were instances where he showed that he could um, um, throw it with pinpoint accuracy. It just wasn't as consistent as I would like to see. Um, but I do think that he is a candidate to uh, to be able to ascend in our uh, top uh, top one hundred, and a guy that if he continues, you know, to play well, could 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 thrust himself uh, into the day one conversation uh, once it's all said and done. Yeah, I agree with that too. He had some really nice nine balls down the field. He had a couple throws on a couple comebacks too that were just like high level stuff. I was really impressed. With that, so yeah, all great points made by Carson Strong. I definitely think him and also Matt Corral are two quarterbacks that are probably going to rise up significantly on our top 100 boards. Those are probably the two most impressive performances of any quarterbacks. And I was so underwhelmed with this quarterback class early on, especially at the top. Howell and Rattler weren't very good at all. I thought Strong was decent for the most part. Malik Willis looked okay versus Campbell. He had some good throws from time to time, but I mean, he wasn't really playing a, a high-quality opponent. So, um, of course, he's going to look decent against Campbell. You hope he is going to look decent against them anyway. But uh, Ritter, Ritter had some he had some okay throws and spurts. But, you know, ball placement is always going to be the biggest issue with him. And, you know, he wasn't asked to do much 
uh, against Miami, Ohio, but he did have a 25-yard touchdown on the zone read pool. That was nice. I think his mobility definitely is underrated. So week one, you know, there's always going to be a lot of overreactions, not only with quarterbacks, but just around the country. But I will remind everybody that it is a very, very long season. And just let it play out. Don't overreact on social media, on Twitter, or anything like that. You're going to see a lot of that over the next few weeks. But we have a long time until next April and then next May as well. So just let everything play out. But before we get out of here, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add? No, nah, I mean, I, I just think I, – I was going to say real quick, I just think if, if we, we need someone to step up in this quarterback class. And like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a long process, yeah. a long season, but – I'm really anxious to see who that quarterback is going to be. Is it Corral? Is it Carson Strong? Could it be Phil Dracovic from Boston College? Or, uh, who knows? But we need somebody because what we saw from the, our quarterback one collectively, Spencer Rattler, is not going to cut it. I mean, that that was not a good game by him. So hopefully, hopefully he turns it around because the names at the top of the, of the class are, are a little underwhelming for me. What about you, Dre? I think uh, speaking of uh, being able to step up, I would like to see Drake Jackson step up um, after coming off uh, a 2020 season where he had two sacks in, in a game against Arizona, uh, uh, which is uh, which is essentially the worst team in the Pac-12. He started off this season playing against San Jose State, uh, and he uh, was uh, was 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 not improved. There, he had the great pick, uh, which of course showed his 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 agility and his athleticism, uh, which are all his uh, strong points. But at some point, he has to turn the potential into production, right? And you would like to see him be able to get home where he's rushing from a two point stance. Um, you would like to see him at some point turn the potential into production. So, I would like to see Drake Jackson uh, step up for the rest of the season. For sure. And, you know, some of the things I would like to add, I'm along the same lines as you, Brentley. Just I'm hoping somebody steps up in this quarterback class just because having to write about the quarterbacks this week, <laughs> super underwhelming overall. <laughs> I'm just trying to find some throws to highlight, but there's not a lot of them throughout the country. So looking forward to seeing if we get better performances in week two overall. But of course, as always, thank you guys for listening to the Read Option podcast. This show is presented by Bet Online. Make sure to check out Bet Online. He's Brentley Wiseman and also Dre Harris. I am Jordan Reed. Thank you guys for listening to the Read Option podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. I want to remind you guys we are on a new feed, so make sure to transition over from the old feed to the new feed. Subscribe, like, and leave a five star review as well. Make sure to check out thedraftnetwork.com. Brentley, Dre, and myself have already released the first edition of our mock drafts and then also our big boards as well. So make sure to check out all of that and you can find all of that information on the draftnetwork.com. Once again, thank you guys for listening. We will be back for a special Friday episode. So make sure to tune in for that. We will see you then. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.